Welcome to Jerry Adams August Morris Gra Tommy Gamoy well to slide nor I'm so but Nietzsche Ro Rodana Tommy Michael Yor August Tan Amsha Gohanur So to sell a gumsa go well Shepsha Gumoy August we may just take a swing of we couple of running just takes me thinking about the many enjoyable afternoons I spent in Casement Park, watching countless football hurling games, and playing some of them when I was a, a teenager. I don't like to boast, but I've actually lost count of my man of the match triumphs, especially for St Mary's Grammar School or Belfast Schools. And hurling, or on sports days. In the past, uh, the stand, the casement stand, and the terraces, or the the raised mounds around the pitch, provided a wonderful view of the contest. Some games attracted a few hundred, maybe, maybe just even handfuls, while others were watched by thousands of enthralled spectators and supporters. Casement Park was opened first in June 1953. It was named after Roger Casement. And Roger Casement was one of the leaders of the Easter Rising in 1916. He was hanged by the British in London in August of that year. And the people of Belfast, but especially in the west of the city, raised over £100,000 to construct Casement Park. And the rest of the county, Antrim, Gales, rode in and helped with that great enterprise. Now for much of its 75, 71 years, Casement has been at the heart of the West Belfast community. At one point, classes for primary school children were held under the stand. On the 50th anniversary of the Easter Rising in 1966, a huge and colourful pageant was held there to mark that historic moment in Irish history. And for a time after Operation Motorman in 1972, the stadium was occupied for more than a year by the British Army. And rallies in the 80s in support of the hunger strikers were held there also. So for the past eight years, it has lain empty and silent as a legal battle was fought over planning permission for a new 34,000-seater stadium. And that process is now at an end, and the new Casement Park, the first steps at least, were taken last week to allow construction work to begin. And the decision by the Irish government to allocate 50 million euros towards the construction, it's a very, very welcome development, August Colonel Falsha Moore wrote, or Rove. The hope is that uh, the new Casement will arise Phoenix-like within the next three to four years in time to host the Euros in 2028. Now these exciting new developments got me thinking about Roger Casement. Who was this Dublin man who found a home in North Antrim and wanted to be buried at Murdoch Bay near Barry Castle? Casement was a member of an Ulster Protestant family. He was a knight of the British Empire and a British diplomat. He was also a Gielgor who loved the glens of Antrim. 
He was proud to be Irish. He was a thinker who took many of the weightiest decisions of his life while pacing on Cushendall Beach. He was resolute in his opposition to British rule in Ireland and to imperialism, and his role was a free, united and independent Ireland. Casement came to North Antrim after his mother died when he was nine. His father decided to bring the family back from England to live near relatives. His father died in Ballymena when Roger was 13, and Roger remained in Ballymena going to what later became Ballymena Academy. He moved to England at the age of 16 and eventually joined the civil service. In 1903, he was asked by the British government to produce a report on the conditions in a region of the Congo controlled by King Leopold of Belgium. Rubber and ivory were the main produce. Indigenous workers were being mercilessly exploited. Millions died from exhaustion, hunger and disease. Casement's expose of the cruelty of Leopold's activities created an international outcry which led to him being stripped of his control in the Congo. Later, Casement was sent to South America where he investigated the use of slaves and the ill-treatment of local native people by the British, well, by a British rubber company. In 1911, for this work, Casement was given a knighthood by the British. However, this experience had also opened his eyes to colonialism and imperialism. Two years later, he helped establish the Irish Volunteers. He travelled to the USA to raise money for that organisation and he was involved in the smuggling of German weapons into Hoth in July 1914. Casement negotiated with the German government during the First World War for more guns and assistance for the planned rebellion. He was arrested by the British at Bannastrand in County Kerry in April 1916, three days before the Rising took place. He was taken to London. He was initially held in the Tower of London. And he was viewed by the British, by the the English establishment, as a traitor. He was tried for treason and hanged on August 3rd, 1916. In his famous and powerful speech from the dock, Roger Casement lambasted the English establishment. For England, he said, there is only England. There is no Ireland. There's only the law of England, no right of Ireland, the liberty of Ireland and of Irish man or woman is to be judged by the power of England. Addressing the divisions created by English governments, Casement said that Irish Republicans aimed at uniting all Irish men and women in a natural and national bond of cohesion based on mutual self-respect. Our hope was a natural one and a left to ourselves, not hard to accomplish. If external influences of disintegration would but leave us alone, we were sure that nature itself would bring us together. And on the right of the people of Ireland to independence and sovereignty, Roger Casement told the court that condemned him to death, self-government is our right, a thing born in us at birth, a thing no more to be doled out to us or without or withheld from us by another people than the right to life itself, than the right to feel the sun or smell the flowers or to love our kind. It is only from the convict 
these things are withheld, for crime committed and proven. And Ireland that has wronged no man, has injured no land, that has sought no domination over others. Ireland has been treated today among the nations of the world as if she was a convicted criminal. In a letter to Pentonville Prison, from Pentonville Prison to his cousin Elizabeth Eilish Bannister, dated July the 25th, Casement wrote, Don't let my body be here. Get me back to the Green Hill by Morlock, by the McGarry's house looking down on the moil. That's where I'd like to be now, and that's where I'd like to lie. In 1965, British Labour Prime Minister Harold Wilson agreed to the return of Casement's remains, but only to Dublin. He was buried in Glasnevin Cemetery. The new Casement Park will be a fine tribute to a great patriot. It will also be a wonderful stadium for all our sportsmen and women and for all our children. So let's get it built. There's now overwhelming evidence that Israeli state forces have added a new weapon to its arsenal of genocide against the Palestinian people. Hunger. The video and photographic images of starving children and desperate parents searching for food and water are heartrending. The UN says that some 2.3 million people in Gaza are now on the brink of starvation. Palestinian people have been filmed eating grass in northern Gaza as emaciated children carry bowls hoping for some food in southern Gaza. There are reports of babies dying from acute malnutrition. We Irish have our memory of Angorta Moor, the Great Hunger of 1845 to 52, and of starving people eating grass. Some call it the Irish famine, but in a famine there is no food due to some natural catastrophe. In Ireland there was plenty of food. During these years, the quaysides of Limerick were lined each day with abundance of produce, including pork and oats and eggs and sides of ham and beef, all bound for export. The reality and the irony of this is appalling and was aptly described by George Bernard Shaw in his play Man and Superman. I quote, Malone, my father died of starvation in Ireland in Black 47. Maybe you've heard of it. Violet, the famine? Malone, no, the starvation. When a country is full of food and exporting it, there can be no famine. And so it is in the Gaza Strip. There's plenty of food waiting in food trucks. More will be sent, but the Israeli state is deliberately blocking these. Hunger, starvation are now part of its strategy to kill Palestinians and drive them from their land. The attack, which led to over a 100 Palestinian people being killed when Israeli forces opened fire on them and on a food convoy, the news of that is just emerging as I record this podcast. It's all, all so terrible. Ceasefire now. Remember, we, the survivors of Angorta Moor, of the Great Hunger, we, Irish, are all Palestinians. 
And I want to finish, I, I recited a little poem last week that I'd learned at school. And uh, some of you liked it, so uh, this is uh, one by Robert Frost. And it's, uh, it's thoughtful, stopping by woods on a snowy evening. Whose weeds these are, I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. My little horse must think it queer to stop without a farmhouse near, between the woods <coughs> and frozen lake, the darkest evening of the year. <coughs> I told you in a bad cough. He gives his harness bells a shake to ask if there is some mistake. The only other sounds, the sweep of easy wind and downy flake. This is the great verse. <coughs> the woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep, and miles to go before I sleep, and miles to go before I sleep. Janea Harja, Gunyuri and Tal Levsha, Bikara Maklesna, Snyakta, Ogusyori Majoris, Lakun of Ja, and Shaftan Shaw Hogging, Tor Ira, Shinawil.